0: Good morning, come on in, we're so glad y'all are here on the first Sunday of August, so good to see y'all. My name's Michael, this is Margo, we serve together on the community team, we're excited to be here with y'all this morning. If you're new, I wanna point you to this hashtag, you can just use the camera on your phone, grab that link, it'll take you to a form to fill out to let us know you were here, we'd love to get connected with you this morning. Hey, we've got some exciting things we wanna share with y'all this morning, starting with an opportunity for you guys in the room. So this summer we had a study in Psalms and it was a lot of fun and a lot of guys really connected with us in there. And so we're gonna do something similar. (coughs) Excuse me, in the fall, we're gonna study the book of Galatians on Wednesday mornings. It'll be in the FSM room at 6.30. We'll have donuts for you. We'd love to have you guys join us. Again, you can hit the The the, uh, QR code on your phone, it'll take you to the page to register. We can also answer questions about that at the community booth in the lobby. Margo, it's not just the men though that we have some exciting things going on. I think we have some things for women as well.
1: Yes, we do. We have our normal Tuesday morning and evening Bible studies for women that are coming up. Tuesday mornings, 9 a.m., Tuesday evenings, 6.30. We'll have a Christy McClellan study and we'll have a Lisa Harper study. So if you wanna know more, Just go to the website or come talk to me out in the foyer and I can give you more information about the studies. Uh, We also have an open house that's coming up. So ladies, when you see a bunch of flowers or balloons out there, come and talk to us because we really want to share with you. We'll have the Bible study leaders out there. We'll have the outreach leaders out there. So please come and join us. But if you've never thought about joining a Bible study or a small group, or you have, I want to tell you a quick story. About a year ago, I got to have coffee with this lady that I didn't know, and she was about my age. And we really hit it off because we both love gardening, and so we just visited, it was so fun. But she said, I'd like to do a small group, but I, I grew up in a church that we didn't open the Bible and we didn't study scripture, so if I went, I wouldn't know the Bible study, Bible stories and I wouldn't know the scripture. But she was really really brave and she went and she found her people and last night we were actually texting about gardening and at the end of her text I asked if I could share this and she said yes. She said I just want you to know that the Lord is filling me up. My heart is open and he has done nothing but surround me with God loving people. I cannot express how I feel double heart emoji. So, (laughs) that's just an encouragement to y'all if you've never done a small group.
0: And I got a text from a guy about our study and he said, it was cool.
1: (laughs) They don't express the same way we do. No, he didn't
0: use a single emoji either.
1: (laughs) Okay, this is for everybody then. Um, If we're going to have Discover, as well. So if you ever ever thought about wanting to join fellowship as a member or just kind of find out what fellowship is about, we're starting a study um, in the middle of September and it will be two large groups and then six small groups. So you'll kind of get to know what a community group would look like. So come join us. We have lots of opportunities.
0: Yep, that's good, Margo. We'd love to have y'all in Discover, if you've, Discover Fellowship if you've never been through that. And we'll finish up with this, it's not just adults. We have cell groups launching for our students and Margo and I are both huge fans of our student cell groups. We both saw how they impacted our students, our children, as they went through the junior high and high school years. They'll be launching in a couple of weeks and they're gonna start with a big service project here on campus. They're gonna be packing snack packs that'll go out to food insecure students in the Fayetteville schools. But they have to buy the products for that. And so Tad, our FSM team leader, he's gonna be in the foyer after the service. He's got a clear box and you can put your cash money in that box if you would like to help these students buy food to give to other students. Um, And if we have any students in here or parents of junior high and high school age students, um, man, FSM is a great place to get connected, get in small groups. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more next week, but for this morning, uh, we have an opportunity to encourage them with some cash gifts for them to buy some food for students in our school district. Well, hey, as we move into a time of worship this morning, let's pause and let's just remember why we're here and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity together in your name. Uh, Lord, this morning as I walked up to this building, I was just grateful to you for what you've done in this place, these people. And Lord, my prayer is, as we sing, as we open our Bibles, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, through your written word, we would hear from you we would connect with you we would worship you in spirit and in truth and so lord we just commit this time to you and we pray for it in jesus name
2: amen thanks michael and Margot. um well good morning my name is david i'm one of the the leaders here at fellowship Fayetteville. this is ann and is also one of the leaders we actually both serve on the community team with with michael and Margot. and we would love nothing more than to uh get to know you and introduce ourselves to you in, in some way. Well, hey, today is the last week of our John study. It's been 21 weeks. I feel like it's kind of flown flown by. And something I want to draw your attention to is um, each week, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed this in our services or in your book, but there's a really, really good pictures taken that are in your book. And those are from uh, photographers that call Fellowship Faithful home. And artists that are part of this body and each week our backgrounds actually have come straight from um, an artist from our body and so each week as you've noticed the backgrounds have been different to go in line with the book and all those came not from just a website that we typed in something but from local artists that call Fellowship Fayetteville home and uh, real quick can we just say thank you to the media team they've done an awesome job our media team is incredible. They don't get enough credit. They, they're the ones who design the books that we've had for the whole John series. And they really do a great job of bringing a community of artists in our church to connect and to use their gifts to glorify the Lord. But today we, we end our, our study of John. And last week, Michael left us with, uh, at the very end of chapter six, talking about Thomas, doubting Thomas and how it's, every, it's the Lord's desire that we all would say, I believe believe and there's a section about two two verses before we jump into uh, chapter 21 and these are these two verses I want to read this over you it's the purpose of the whole book it says now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name John makes a pretty big claim right here. I don't know if you caught it. He's claiming that you can find life. You can find life by believing in his name. And it made me ask the question, what does that actually mean? Like, What does life mean? The word life here has this understanding of a soul that is fully alive. My question for you this morning is, have you come to know, have you come to realize that there's nothing on this earth that can satisfy you? Not the next vacation, the next paycheck, the next compliment, the next possession, the next house, whatever it may be, the next car, whatever you would put in there. Do you, have you realize that your soul longs for something more? And could it be that you were actually designed not for this world? And he's offering, John is offering by saying, by believing in Jesus you may have life, that life that you long for, that you desire, can be found in Christ. And so this first song we're going to sing this morning, is it's an older one. I'm just going to ask you for the first half of it, just to take it in, just to take it in this morning. And then when you, when you feel ready, would you stand with us and engage in song this morning together? Would you stand with us, let's
3: sing this together.
2: this with me. You are peace. You are peace. You are peace. When my fear is crippling. You are true. You are true. Even in my wandering. You
3: are joy. You are joy. For the reason that I sing. You are life. You are life. In you, death has lost its
2: We run to him. I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will. i the words of eternal life. Lord, anything outside of you, it never lives up to what it promises. It never satisfies what our soul longs for. Lord, we have souls that long to be seen, souls that long to be desired, souls that long to be comforted. And Father, that's only found in you. True comfort, true love, true significance. God, it's only found in you and that's your invitation for us this morning and every day we can believe today that you are the Lord, that you're in control, that you see us, that we matter to you. And Lord, we know that by obedience is what leads to fullness of life. So God, we look to you this morning and ask that you would teach us from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Take a seat.
4: Good morning, everyone. How are we this morning? Not so good, I see. Um Okay, it's good to know. Um, I got back last night with our family at uh, 10.30 from Colorado Springs. It was a trip, not a vacation. We had our kids, so there's a difference there. Uh, we got back last night late. Glad to be with y'all this morning. Uh, my name's Garland, I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for coming in to, to worship with us this morning and to look at God's word. Um, I know for me, and I don't think I'm that unique in this, there are certain places, certain buildings, certain streets, Uh, certain even foods or smells that just they evoke memories for me when I go by them like a couple examples from my life like every time I'm on 49 and I go kind of down in the valley there in Johnson and I look over and see Willow Creek Hospital almost every time I can't help but think go back to those nights where Sarah went into labor with all three of our kids in the middle of the night it was dark and we went to the Willow, Creek, Willow, Willow Creek Hospital, and that's where our kids were born, and those were those just crazy experiences in those nights. And you got people coming in to, to be there at the hospital. When you have, your, when you have a kid, you've gotta get somebody at your house, and the whole thing's just a whirlwind, and every time I go by there, I'm flooded with the memory of just those experiences. Really good days, and every time I'm up on Markham Hill by the campus, and I gotta go up there uh, where Pratt Place is, I'm just reminded, that's where Sarah and I got married, and a lot of our friends got married there. And I've got really great memories at the top of Markham Hill in, in that building and outside at that place. And every time I'm up there, I just think, man, that's, that's where I got married. And I know for me, a lot of memories. Every time I go down the hill on Maple Street and look over at Razorback Stadium, I got a lot of memories in that place from when I was a kid, from when I was in college, and even recently, and some are good, and some are not so good, and I know for me, when I when I drive down 71, uh, how many know Mena? Been to Mena before? Mena fans? We don't like Mena apparently. Okay, so mo, uh, both sides of my family hail from Mena, Arkansas. That's where my grandparents lived, and aunts and uncles. And every time we'd go down there for for like Thanksgiving and just that drive, I've got so many memories driving down to to Mena. And what about you? You probably have some some buildings or some streets or some some places that just evoke some really good memories. There's also some buildings or some streets or some places that for me, they bring back some bad memories. Like when I go past this place, it triggers in my mind this memory of a a season of sin or a season of decisions that I made that I wish I could take back or maybe even one particular place or one particular moment that I wish I could have back. Or Maybe for you or for me, I know I'll speak for for myself, when I can go by certain areas or go by certain places, I'm reminded that's when I want back or that's where a relationship went sideways and that relationship was never the same. Some of these are not things that even I did necessarily, but things that happened to me, circumstances that happened around me in my life. My parents divorced when I was two and at the time we lived in Little Rock and my dad moved up here to Fayetteville, and at that time, 49, 540, 49, didn't exist to get down to Fort Smith, and the way you could get up here from Little Rock was either the old 71 or the Pig Trail. How many remember the Pig Trail? All right, the old Pig Trail. Now, we would take the Pig Trail every time, it was about a four-hour drive, and we did that every other weekend. We had that rhythm going, and I'm, I'm a two-year-old, then I'm a four-year-old, then I'm a five, and I remember, every time I see the sign for the Pig Trail, I'm just taken back to this place of really heavy sadness in my life. As my parents' marriage ended and it created in me just this deep pain of what do I do with this? I know for some of us, we can go by even certain signs and it can trigger that for us. What's that for you? Where we're going this morning, we're gonna look at a character in our story and I think this character has a haunting painful memory, and what we're gonna see is John is really clever, our gospel writer, in placing this chapter at the end of his account so we can confront this past memory, so that Jesus might bring healing to this past memory, that he might then restore the future for this character in our story. So that's what we're gonna do this morning. I'm gonna give a fair warning. We're going there today. We're gonna look at your past and confronted potentially so that Jesus might be able to bring some healing that our future may be restored. If you have your Bible, open it with me to John chapter 21. We're coming to the end of our study of the gospel of John this morning, 21 weeks. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at this final chapter in John's gospel account. And here's how it begins. John 21 verse one, we're told afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee and it happened this way. Now hear me, most Bible scholars, a lot of scholars in the, in the Gospel of John, they agree that John chapter 20 ended the Gospel perfectly. You don't get a better ending than what Dave read earlier at the end of chapter 20. Jesus did many more things that are not recorded in this book but these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Period, hard stop, put a bow on it, perfect ending to John's Gospel. Then we have this added story on the end, it's almost like a postscript, and John felt the need to include this story, even after he concluded his Gospel flawlessly, Why? Let's take a look at it. Let's see what happens in our story. Verse two, we see our cast of characters in the story. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel. he's from Cana, by the way, and we got the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples. Some of Jesus' crew are here, and they've made their way up to the Sea of Galilee. The Passover had taken place, Jesus' death and his resurrection on Sunday, and there was a feast that would take place for seven more days, so an eight-day period in, in Jerusalem, and then the disciples, they make their way back to their hometown. Here they are up at the Sea of Galilee, and Peter says, let's go fish. I mean, this has been crazy what's been going on with Jesus, he's been resurrected. I, I'm not exactly sure what to do, let's just go out, and let's go fish. It's how we make our living, it's how we sustain ourselves. The other ones say, oh, uh, sounds good, let's, let's go Let's go fish. Now, I think too much can be made of verse three. As Peter says, let's go out fishing. I don't think he's he's rejecting Jesus and saying, I'm done with the mission. But look at verse three. This doesn't look like, this sentence doesn't describe people that I would say look like, you know, world changers here. Spirit-empowered, on-mission, world changers. That's gonna come at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. Here they are. They're going out to fish, and we're told they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, every fishing experience I've ever had has had that exact same outcome, every single one of them. I, I, now I try to take my children, and that's even worse because they're talking the whole time, and it's supposed to be relaxing, and it's not. It's awful, and every time, no matter where I am, we, th- we throw the lines out, and we catch Nothing, and some of you will tell me, oh, no, 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 like, don't email me, all right? I don't, I don't need an email or a text from, I'm gonna get two texts, I guarantee you, by the end of this day, and one of you are gonna say, yeah, yeah, but I got a spot for you.' I'm gonna tell you, I don't care. I don't wanna go, it's not fun, it's not relaxing, I'm too hyper, I don't wanna do it, okay? I can't just sit there quietly, burning hot all day, all right? I don't care about your spot, don't email. me. All right, look at what happens. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples, didn't, they didn't realize it was Jesus. He's, it's about 100 yards off, so they can't really tell. And he called out to them, friends, how's it going? You catch any fish? And I have, I, because this has been my experience every time, I would guess there's some frustration in this no. I don't think it's a simple, nah. I think it's a no. We've been out here all night. They answered, And he says, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find someone. I bet if I'm one of them, I'm going, who is this joker? We've tried everything. Who is this guy on the shore? When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, write down in your Bible next to these verses, Luke 5. This would almost certainly trigger in their memories This event that Luke records for us in Luke chapter 5, where a very similar story occurs. This was no doubt one of those good memories for the disciples. And we we know they get it because look at what the disciple whom Jesus loved, probably indicating the writer himself, John, says. He says, This is him. It's the Lord. Wow, that we've already experienced this before. He was there in Luke 5, and he says, It's the Lord. Now, I love this. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his, ar- his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, and he jumped in the water. Now, the, out, the outer garment was, uh, we would call it like a cloak, and it was what you would wear when you would go out and, and engage with anybody. It'd be shameful not to have it on, okay? So he, he puts it on because he's taken it off to work and it's been hot. He puts it on because it'd be shameful not to wear it. So there's, there's a modesty involved here, decency. He puts it on, but here's what I love. He puts it on, and he dives into the water, fully clothed, and he starts swimming his way towards Jesus. But look at verse eight. I just love the little detail in this. Verse eight, the other disciples followed in the boat. They're towing the net full of fish. He says, he did not have to add this. They're not that far from the shore. Only about 100 yards. I have to imagine the scene. Peter puts on his cloak, dives in the water, and realizes this is gonna be difficult. 100-yard swim, the other disciples are like, dude, you wanna get back in the boat? Like we're just rowing right beside you here, we're probably gonna beat you there. But I love Peter's zeal in this as he dives into the water. Now here's the scene. They reach the shore, they land, and coming out of the water, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Now that may not mean much to you. You may see that and go, okay, Jesus set up a campfire. But John is really clever here. Our gospel writer is wanting to connect the reader. He wants to alert you to connect this story with something that's happened earlier. He's gonna do it a couple times in the passage. He wants wants you to see this. Now, the Greek word for uh, a a fire of charcoal, it's the word anthracia. And this word anthracia, it only occurs two times in John's gospel. One is right here. And the other, this is not an accident. John wants to connect your mind to this, the reader. The other one is a very significant place. It's really significant for Peter. He's swam to the shore. He comes out of the water. There's an anthracia. And John is not doing this by accident. The only other place where this word occurs, go back a few pages. In John 18, and this is no doubt Peter's greatest moment of failure, I am sure the weeks that have gone by, the days that have gone by since this event, I'm sure it's been haunting him. I'm sure he wants nothing more than to take this moment back. Look at it. This is the night of Jesus' arrest, the night where he will be falsely examined and tried, falsely convicted, beaten, and eventually led to be crucified. For that night, Peter had said, I will I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus i love you more than anybody else. I'll do anything for you. When the moment came, look down at verse 17. One of the servant girls out in the courtyard. Here's Peter. I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. We we know the story. Been around church. You aren't one of this man's disciples, are you? I am not. I don't know him. Hadn't been with him. Now, look at the detail that John adds. This is not an accident. He says, it was cold, and the servants and officials stood around in an anthracia, fire made out of charcoal, and they'd made it to keep warm. Now, Luke, he's the only one that records this. Luke gives us this additional note. As Peter denies Jesus, I don't know the man. I don't know him. As the rooster crows, it says, Jesus turned He looked right at him, warming himself by the fire. I mean, certainly for Peter, this is a terribly painful moment. Certainly for Peter, he goes, "I I wish more than anything I could go back and say, I am, not I am not. I can't believe I did that. What a failure, what a coward to deny my savior and my king like that. Anything to take it back. Now, he comes out of the water, his heart rate's up, he's been swimming, I mean, a hundred yard swim, there's not, nothing to sneeze at. He comes out of the water, as they landed, there's an anthracia. And it makes me wonder, what is he thinking in that moment? Like, is he going, oh no, what's he about to say to me? Not this, that's my worst possible Memory. See, John is really clever in setting the story up, and Jesus, as he builds that fire, John wants to connect it to this painful moment in Peter's past. They go right at it. Peter has this outrageous moment of failure, and now Jesus has set up this moment from the past right before him. Doesn't run from it, doesn't hide from it. Here it is. And let's see what Jesus does with Peter here. Now, this may indicate more about me, but if I'm Jesus, here's what I would do, okay? Built a fire. Let's say, all right, everybody, gather around. Peter, why don't you dry off? Come over here. All right, everybody, smell that? Y'all know what a charcoal fire smells like, right? Every time you smell one of these for the rest of your life, I want you to think about Peter. What a failure he is. What a coward he is. When the going got tough, he ran. Never forget it. It says more about me. I get it. But for many of us, that's exactly what we would do. This, This person betrayed me. They wounded me. We're not letting them get away with it. Charcoal fire. Everybody remember, Peter. What a failure. Don't trust him. He'll turn his back on you. And here's what's sad. I think for many of us in this room, I've, I've done this in my life for years. When I think about my story and what God thinks about my story, I think for many of us, myself included, what we think is something like that. God wants to bring up all of our worst moments. He wants to bring up all of our worst sin, and he's really mad at us because of it. And he wants to take it out on us and embarrass us and shame, it, shame us in it so that what we might as well do is just run and try to hide from it. And when we think about how does God look at our story, I think for many of us, that's what we think. I have these bad wounds, these haunting memories, and God knows them, and he's really disappointed in me for it. But that's not what we see in the story. Look what we see. Jesus says, bring, bring some of the fish. Simon Peter goes over and he grabs up with the fish. He he comes over. They drag the net ashore. It It was full of large fish, we're told, 153, but even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Now, the insight into the number, I think too much can be made of this. Let me just give you a little small thing to think about. One of the things I hear very frequently, especially from our skeptical friends, and that may be you in the room in our culture, is, the, the, the Gospels, the Bible stories it's just a bunch of mythological tales it's more like fables it doesn't it's not history it's not historical you can't trust it don't look at it for history now I, I understand that objection. I understand that concern. Can I ask you to interact real fast with a much much bigger expert than me, a much smarter person than me? in fact, before this person became a Christian, he was one of the chairs of literature at Oxford University. He's one of the best in the world at this, and here's what he says, his name's C.S. Lewis. He says this about the gospel accounts. Just, Just, you gotta interact with them. He says, I've been reading poems and romances and vision literature and legends and myths all my life. I know what they are like, and I know none of them are like this. The detail, the vivid memory, the testimony. It doesn't read like mythology. It doesn't read like a great epic. It reads like an eyewitness account. And if you're here and you're saying, I don't have to read the Bible, I don't have to trust the Bible, it's a whole bunch of myths, whatever. I understand that and I'd love to process that. Our team would love to process your concerns in that. But I think C.S. Lewis would ask you to do a little better than that. To just simply dismiss outhand the stories of the Bible as mythology. I think he would ask you to, to lean in a little more than that. So I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing as well. Okay, lean in. And if you have questions, please come talk to us. We'd love to. Now, back to the story. What does he do? He doesn't shame Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Probably the, the more than these is the other disciples. Peter, you talk a big game about loving me, laying down your life for me. I love you the most. Do you, do you really love me more than they love me? Look at what Peter says. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And finally, Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now notice, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Simon, feed my lambs. Sheep. Did you catch it? John connects chapter 18 with 21 by the use of anthrakiah. And in chapter 18, we have three denials and now we have three reaffirmations of Peter's love for Jesus and his position and his standing in Jesus' movement. Three denials are now matched with three affirmations of Peter and his standing with Jesus. This is not an accident Jesus takes him right back to his worst moment that he could then look at Peter. And I imagine him lifting his head. Peter, look at me. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And I'm not done with you. Feed my sheep. I've not given up on you. Take care of my lambs. I've not given up on you. Feed my sheep. Do You see, Jesus takes him back to his worst moment. He could then bring his grace and mercy and forgiveness into that moment that Peter might see. That that does not have to own him anymore. He could have healing from even his darkest wounds. I've been through two Celebrate Recovery step studies. Um, And one of the things you do in Celebrate Recovery is uh, when you go through the step study, you do this thing called your inventory. In your inventory, I did mine on an Excel spreadsheet because I'm a nerd. Um, and so what, one of the things you do on your inventory is you write, and it, it's, it's kind of humbling and it's kind of scary. One, one page is the, the things that you've done to hurt people. One is the things people have done to hurt you. And one is the, the good things that God's blessed you with in your life, okay? That one was the hardest one for me. Um, I wrote down the things that I've done to hurt people. And the, you just write the person, the event, and then uh, the aftermath, the, the lies you believe, uh, the emotions that came with it, the things that still trigger it, all that stuff. And then I did things, people that have hurt me, and I wrote a name, and then just the event. And as I, at first I was kinda skeptical, ah, I don't know about this, and as I began to dive in, I realized, until I allow Jesus to confront my past, I don't get any healing in it. Until I allow the gospel's message of what Jesus has done for us and on our behalf into that space, as long as I keep hiding it, I will never see how those things in my past, there's lies I believe because of it, there's behaviors that I do because of it, um, there are wounds that are still open because I've never let Jesus into those things in the past. Professor uh, at a conservative seminary says this. He says, The good news, this is good news for you and for me, is that if you belong to Jesus, he says, then God has something better for you. He doesn't want to remove your memories, those things are still there, but he wants to redeem them. He wants to transform them into something good, something beneficial, something that will help you become more like him, even with. That is our, as our story. So here's what we're gonna do. Before we conclude the passage, we're gonna come back up and look at uh, our third point in a minute. We're gonna pause right now. And I'm gonna ask you, I told you we're going there. What is your charcoal fire? Maybe there's a series of them. You don't wanna go to, you don't wanna open it up. And maybe for years or decades, you've never let Jesus into that. And What we're gonna do is right now this morning, we wanna allow Jesus to begin to speak his words of healing into it. This may be just the beginning of a process for you. Maybe today is the day where you begin to let Jesus begin to heal you. Here's how it's gonna work. Uh, they're gonna sing and I'm gonna invite you to, to, to take some time to process. It's not gonna, we're not gonna be in a hurry. You got several songs, okay? If you wanna just close your eyes and pray and think and wrestle with whatever maybe was coming up when I asked you what's your charcoal fire, then do that. Maybe you don't know what else to do except sing the words. So stand and sing with us. Maybe nothing's coming to mind right now. That's okay. Would you sing on behalf of the people around you? What's your charcoal fire that Jesus needs to invite you to so that he might begin to speak healing into it? Maybe today, August 7th, is the day where you can begin to experience that healing. I'm gonna pray for this time. We'll come back up and finish. Let me pray for this time. Father, thank you that you run after us. We thank you that you run towards our wounds and towards our brokenness, so much so that you would send Jesus to enter into the brokenness of humanity and take it on himself, that we might find healing and grace and mercy. So just over these next few minutes, give us clarity, give us wisdom, enable us to take these to you. We ask it in your name, Jesus, our savior, our healer, and our king. Amen. And
5: I've carried a bird.
2: I invite you to stand with me and sing this together. This is what he's offering us this morning. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Oh, bring your sorrows and them
3: for joy. From the I say, let's get it this morning. Over. It's
4: just want to heal him. It's not just, hey, we're good, Peter. Everything's cool. We're, we're cool. Like, it's not just that. See, He has a plan for Peter. He wants to restore his future. Did you notice it? Three times, do you love me? I love you. You know all things. You know that I love you. He says, Peter, feed my sheep. I'm not done with you. I've got a plan for you. You, even broken, messed up you, Peter. Even the one who betrayed me and who denied me, the one who, who in that moment said, I don't know him. Even you got a plan for your future to restore you to the right place in my family. So you're gonna, you're gonna lead my people. You're gonna lead my church. You, even you, Peter. It's amazing mercy on the part of Jesus. He can take even broken, messed up people. I mean, go read John again. Go read the Gospels and look. Just, just watch Peter. They'd be like, man, I'm not that bad. Hey, okay, just watch. And even Peter, Jesus says, no, I, got a, I got a mission for you. I got a plan for you. And then Jesus will tell here's them, here's the manner that your death will occur. And Peter still isn't perfect. Look at his response. Jesus tells him, when you were young, you went wherever you went, wanted to go. But when you were older, somebody will lead you where you don't want to go. And John says, that indicates the manner that Peter will die. And in this moment, Peter goes, wait, wait, wait. I, what are you talking about? I'll be led where I don't want to go when I'm older. And even in this moment, Peter goes, what about him? What about, jo- what about this guy? What's he get? And look at what Jesus says. And if I want him to remain until I return, Peter, that's, that's, not, that's none of your business. What's that to you? I hear it. Peter, follow me. Follow me. Take step by step by step and just follow me. Yeah, you don't have all the answers. Yeah, it's still scary. Yeah, it's gonna be difficult. Yes, you're gonna face eventually a, a painful death. Follow me. Learn from me do what I do, say what I say, follow me. And by the way, next week, we're gonna come back and we're gonna look at what does it mean to follow Jesus? Not to have all the answers, not to be perfect Christians, not to be all of us somewhere, all of our bad stuff goes away and we're just flawless, no. But what does it look like to follow Jesus? And next week, we're gonna come in here and look at what does it mean to be his disciple? So come next week, follow him. And here's what I, here's what I love. I think Peter eventually got it. Even through his imperfections, he gets it. Here's how I know. A few decades later, he'll write a letter to scattered churches all throughout the Roman Empire, and he opens that letter with a flurry of language. Here's how he begins. After he greets them, hear the words of a changed man whose future's been restored. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in his great mercy, he's given us new birth." into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, and by the way, into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil or faith, no matter how messed up we may be. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Look at how he closes this letter. Just a few decades later, this, does this not sound like a man that experienced this day on the shore? He says, "In the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, notice the word even, he'll restore you. He'll make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever, amen. How, how? See, all of our brokenness, selfishness, all of our betrayals, all of our wounds, Jesus came into this world so that they may exhaust themselves on Him on the cross. And the consequence for all that brokenness that we in the church call sin exhausts Himself on Him so that we might be healed, strong, firm, and steadfast. It's the glory that's in Christ. The gospel changes everything. Now, even our worst moments can be healed we could be restored, to be messengers about the King who came to bring us healing and forgiveness. That's it. Peter got it. He tasted it. Do you? This morning may be the beginning of your journey of healing. But to the degree that you've tasted it, experience that forgiveness, I'm going to invite you with me now. Would you stand and together let's sing. the the glory that's in Christ and the glory that's to our God of all grace together in this place.
3: Oh, there's nothing
2: better than you.
4: And in your grace the God of all grace sent your son to restore us to bring even our worst moments to find healing in you find hope in you find new life in you we could not do this on our own and yet you've come to set us free As we said all morning to find life in you and in your name Jesus our King As we praise you your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We declare even now that you are our king. We want to live our lives to your glory, to your grace, not ours. Life's in you. Jesus, we love you. We pray all this in your name as our King. Amen. If this morning you had something that you just need to process, the walkers are right through those doors. They would love to pray with you. If you want to talk more about celebrate recovery, I'll be right here. Fellowship family, we love you. Have a great week. See you next week.